Let's go back to John and let's go back to that 20th chapter that I read from last night and let's uh, just read the same scriptures that I read last night. John chapter 20 verse 19 John chapter 20 Verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. (coughs) Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. He breathe, Christ breathe on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And you can be seated. Now, of course, I, I preached from this passage last night, and I want to continue preaching from this as well on the lifestyle of the spirit. That word lifestyle simply means a particular way of living, the way a person lives or a group of people live. It is the typical way of life of an individual, a group, or culture, the lifestyle of the spirit. One of the things that I said last night was that I don't think that any message that Christ conveyed to his disciples was any more important than that message of the Holy Ghost. And if you remember, I said that uh, some of the last things that he said before Calvary was about the Holy Ghost. Some of the first things he said after his resurrection was about the Holy Ghost. Some of the last things that he said before his ascension had to do with the Holy Ghost. I believe he the third member of the triune Godhead, is vitally important to the work of the church in 2017. In fact, there is no work apart from the Holy Ghost. We have got to have him. And Christ understood that. And as we look at this post-resurrection visit of Christ with his disciples, we understand that he is about to invest them with their sacred commission. He is about to equip them with this indispensable power, and he is about to unfold to them the solemn issues of their work. And I know I I, I touched on this some just for a moment, maybe last night, but I want to reiterate the fact that it was not a new work to which they were being called. They were just to continue what he had started. He was the light of the world, so they were to be the light of the world. You're the light of the world, a city that is set on the hill. 
You remember that? You're not to be hid. You're the light of the world. He came to seek and to save the lost. So they were to be witnesses. They were to be seeking the lost and bringing them to Christ. He said that his meat was to do the will of him that sent him. So they were to do the will of the Father. And as he was filled with the Spirit, Christ worked in the power of the Spirit. And he spoke and wrought his work through the power of the Spirit. Even so must they work and speak through the Spirit of God. And it was only through and by the Spirit that they could discharge this weighty trust that he was putting on them. No wonder ministry in our hour so often falters. We're living in a generation where too many people are trying to do a work of God apart from the Holy Ghost. It's just not going to get done, folks. It's not going to get done. It makes no difference the earthly credentials that one possesses. I want to tell you all is vain unless we have that endowment of the Holy Ghost. We must have that endowment of power. Much so-called Christian effort comes largely to naught simply because there is that precise lack of the Holy Ghost in that ministry or in that life. And, and I, I'm, I'm getting older. I'm maturing, I think. I'm, I'm just turned 43. And, and, and I appreciate everybody that thinks I look 25 tonight. May the Lord bless you. I've got a tic-tac I'd love to give you. But if you get close enough and see these gray hairs, you're going to realize that I must be 27 or 28. But, but with that being said, uh, as I get older, I'm learning more and more and more the necessity to rely on the power of the Holy Ghost. And, and I, I did come up under a pastor, a man of God that I, I greatly esteem and I love. And, and he's in his late 70s and, and we have a tremendously good relationship. He is my father in the gospel and we are very close. But he taught me early on that whatever else takes place in a ministry, it must be a ministry that is anointed with the power of the Holy Ghost. And the, the church can only be effective as that they allow the power of the Holy Ghost to work in that church. And I want you to know, brother and sister, whenever we look at the ministry of Christ, we are seeing a ministry that demonstrates what it is to work in the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the way Christ worked. He did not work apart from the third member of the triune Godhead. He worked in perfect conjunction with the Holy Ghost. He was filled with the Spirit, John said, without measure. Without measure, there was an absolute fullness of the Holy Ghost in his life. He was filled with all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, is what Paul said. And so we've got to understand that when we look at the life and the ministry of Christ, it's the greatest example of living known to man. It's the greatest example of ministry known to man. 
man. And it was a life. And it was a ministry that was lived and wrought by the power of the Holy Ghost. And brother and sister, we can be no less. We can live no less. We can do no less. We've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost tonight. Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now it should be noted that this experience that they had in this room on this particular day, hear me well, did not make unnecessary or redundant the outpouring and the infilling of the Holy Ghost in His fullness on the day of Pentecost. I believe it just produced a greater anticipation. Jesus is breathing on the disciples. I feel like must have been a prophetic sign of the Spirit's coming and a spiritual quickening for the disciples. I believe it was both symbolic and a spiritual preparation. Jesus was showing his followers that the Spirit's very special presence and power was to indwell both believers and the church as the temple of God. There have been some that have suggested that it is possible uh, that he went to each individual uh, and breathed on them uh, and gave this command individually uh, to receive uh, the Holy Ghost. Uh, if he did that, uh, it was meant uh, so that each one of those individuals uh, could understand uh, that they needed uh, that personal uh, experience. Uh, they needed that special touch of the Holy Ghost for themselves but at the same time I would like to and I'm not here I don't know I'm not here to settle the score whether it was individually I know this he may have went to them individually and and maybe for the sake of preaching let's just say he did but he also did it publicly he may have went to each individual and bring on him and said I want you to receive the Holy Ghost uh, receive the Holy Ghost uh, but while going to them individually uh, it was also uh, publicly displayed uh, among that group uh, that they were to receive uh, the Holy Ghost uh, and so I want you to know uh, he wants the individual uh, to receive it uh, he wants the Holy Ghost uh, corporately uh, to have preeminence uh, in our church uh, I want you to know uh, it's not enough for you to go to Pentecostal church uh, where the Holy Ghost is prevalent, uh, where the Holy Ghost is preeminent, uh, where the Holy Ghost is present, uh, and where the Holy Ghost works powerfully. Uh, you as an individual must have that experience uh, for yourself. Uh, that's what makes the body effective. Uh, each individual. Uh, Paul said uh, in Ephesians 4, every joint supply 
Goliath. In other words, every individual has that genuine experience with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, folks, we need it as individuals. We need it as a church. We've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost. Our people, our churches need the breath of God to be breathed into them, to be breathed on them once again so that they can live and arise into spiritual action. There's so much to do. Our time is limited. And I want to ask you a question tonight. Do you realize how important it is for you and I to be filled with the Holy Ghost? You think about it. Think about how important it is for you and I to be filled tonight. You and I. We've got to have this. And the reason why is apart from Him breathing on us, there is no life. There is no life. If He does not breathe on this service tonight, there is no life. If He does not breathe on me, there is no life in this preaching. If He does not breathe on Brother David and these other singers, there is no life in the music. There is no life in the singing. There may be emotion, but emotion is not always life. I said emotion is not always life. There may be some calisthenics, you know what I'm saying? But that doesn't mean there's life. We've got to have Him breathing on us I've, I've had folks through the years and let me just say this there's nothing that bothers me anymore than trying to deliver a message without the anointing of the Holy Ghost I've done it, I've done it I've studied, prepared you know, maybe had some biblical good things to say and tried to deliver a message without the anointing of the Holy Ghost I can tell you this it doesn't matter the compliments that I may even receive I go home with a broken heart Hard, uh, and say God what was it in my life uh, it caused me not to have the anointing uh, I don't blame the congregation uh, I don't say what up there to help me more uh, if I'd have had a dozen and a half more amens uh, if somebody would have clapped uh, a time and a half more uh, if somebody would have said glory to God uh, just a few more times uh, I'd have preached better uh, that really don't have anything to do with it uh, you gotta have the breath uh, of almighty God uh, that's what I long for. That's what I desire because there is no life apart from the breath of Almighty God. Do you realize that's why the dead lived in his presence because there was life. I said there was life. That's why the lepers were healed because there was life. That's why the deaf and the dumb spake and heard because there was life and the only hope uh, that this world has uh, who are dying in their sins uh, and trespasses uh, is for you and I uh, to have an experience uh, in the Holy Ghost uh, that can produce life uh, they've got to walk through those doors uh, and experience life uh, Jesus said the thief cometh not before to steal uh, to kill uh, and to destroy I've come that you might have a life and that you might have it more about that's what the church has got to have we've got to have life he's got to breathe on us 
I could read to you Luke 3 and 21 and tell you about how that Holy Ghost descended on him at his baptism. I can read Luke 4 and tell you he was full of the Holy Ghost when he returned out of that wilderness. He was driven in by the Spirit and he returned in the power of the Spirit. Luke 5 said the power of the Lord was present to heal. That power literally means dunamis. It's the same word power in Acts 1 and 8. Do you realize that he would would have virtue go out from him? That word literally in the Greek uh, is power, dunamis, uh, Holy Ghost power. He said, I cast out devils uh, by the Spirit of God. He said, all power is given unto me uh, in heaven uh, and in earth. Peter said uh, in Acts 10 and 38 uh, how Jesus of Nazareth uh, went about doing good. Uh, He was filled with the Holy Ghost uh, and with power Excuse me, healing all uh, that were oppressed of the devil, uh, for God was with him. Uh, His ministry uh, was a work uh, of the Holy Ghost. Uh, And I've got to ask us uh, can we get by with anything less? We're not going to do it. And this is what's breaking my heart in this hour. Is too many people are trying to get by without the power of the Holy Ghost. It breaks my heart. I, I, I don't think I'm a stick in the mud. But there are things that, that we're doing that is good and it's fine. But we are trying to use them instead of the Holy Ghost. We've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost. I said last night there's no supplement. There is no substitute. We've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost. And my Savior... My Christ demonstrated Christianity as it should be. His was a lifestyle of the Spirit, a lifestyle, a particular way of living. And I want to tell us tonight, nothing less will carry the church. Nothing less will make the church effective. Nothing less is what we must be after. Oh, God, let me have the same touch of of God he breathed on them and said receive ye the Holy Ghost receive ye when Jesus breathed on them his disciples that were gathered in this room they sensed his nearness they felt his presence and he was symbolically imparting to them the Holy Ghost and his action revealed that the right of imparting the spirit was his and his alone how many knows that he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire he is savior he will save you from your sins but he's also baptizer he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire that's what we need I need the same Christ that saved me to baptize me and to breathe on me and give me this abundant life. Uh, Give me this touch uh, of the Holy Ghost. Uh, I can tell you what uh, if he'll breathe on me uh, and begin to flow through me uh, there'll be an outbreathing uh, of the life of God. Uh, It'll touch other people. Uh, It'll make a difference uh, in everybody else's life that I come in contact with. 
I call you to me, saith the Lord. Trust me. Trust me with all of your heart. Look to me and surrender to my will. And I will be a power within you and around you that will change your life and those that you come in contact with. But you must look to me and not to yourself, saith the Lord, for there is none but me. Oh God. Ignore not my spirit, saith the Lord, for I sent him to work in you and through you to empower you in difficult, perilous times. To be that one that would give you strength in your times of weakness. Resent not my presence among you. Reject not my outpouring. But submit to my desire and my ways. And I will be as a river that flows through you, saith the Lord. Oh God. Rely not on that which is temporal, but trust in my eternal spirit, saith the Lord. And I will be as that wind, I will be as that fire, and I will bring life where there seems to be nothing but death. I will quicken you. I will revive you. I will refresh you, saith the Lord. And in these times that are so wicked, I will be that life-sustaining strength, saith the Lord. I think we need to raise our hands right now and give him praise. Folks, let me preach just a little more and tell you that what is so significant about this passage of Scripture is that Jesus was in effect effect declaring that when the Holy Ghost came upon his disciples, they were going to receive his own kind of life, his 
kind of life. And, and I think it's very significant to note that this took place after his resurrection from the dead. So the breath or the spirit that he was going to communicate to them was going to be the breath of resurrection life. Now, with that being said, I understand that the life of Christ before his death and after his resurrection was essentially the same. As the Son of God, he was and will always be the eternal Christ. He is eternal. He is holy. And his divine quality of life was in no sense diminished because of Calvary, the crucifixion, his death, his burial. None of that. Oh, no. It was the same from the moment he left the eternal glories under the moment he resumed his seat at the right hand of the father he retained that oneness with the father and that life I know he laid aside his majesty his glory as it is but I want you to know that life was the same but it meant something to those Jews it meant something to those men and women that would be gathered into that upper room because they knew that he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And since he spoke this after the resurrection, they would equate what he said with resurrection life. He was breathing on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. It took them back to the time when God breathed life into the nostrils of man and they became a living soul the very Christ of glory is breathing on me this is life and so there is a sense in which the post resurrection life of Christ has a special meaning for his people in that that resurrection life is a divine life it is victorious life in the context of being victorious over sin over death over hell over the grave the life itself is the same life Christ has always shared with God but through his resurrection it now comes to us he lives Christ in you the hope of glory I can experience the very touch of the Holy Ghost the very presence of almighty God the very option of the holy one it's resurrection life it is the life of Christ it's the same type of life but I want to tell you tonight it issues forth from a shattered tomb through that upper room to the very day and hour that you and I are living in I want to remind you that the same Holy Ghost that fell in that upper room is the same Holy Ghost that you and I feel tonight whenever we feel His nearness and we feel as though He is breathing on us because of His nearness I want you to know it's the same life it's the same touch of God and we 
need it in this hour. That kind of life is what was described in Ephesians chapter 1 when Paul was writing. And it's really powerful what he said because he's talking to these people who he later says, be not drunk with wine where's an excess but be filled with the Spirit. And he asked a question in chapter 1 and 19 and says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him on his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in the world to come Notice that he says, What is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? What is this? What is this power? What is this exceeding greatness that has been given to us that believe according to the working of his mighty power? And the full answer to that is found in the next four verses, which I've read to you. And he begins to say, I'll tell you what kind of power it is. It's resurrection power because he wrought it or he worked it in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And not only that, it's ascension power because he set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. And not only that, it's absolute power far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named and it put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church do you realize what Paul is writing about what is this power that he gives us what is this power that he endues us with uh, it's resurrection power uh, rather that same power uh, that raised Christ from the dead uh, it'll quicken uh, our mortal bodies listen uh, I know uh, when he raptures us out of here uh, it's going to be a quickening uh, it's going to be a touch of God uh, but he wasn't just talking uh, about the rapture uh, he's talking about right now uh, whenever the Holy Ghost uh, that Holy Ghost uh, that I feel right now. It's something that'll quicken you. It's something that'll make you alive. And he was telling them at Ephesus the power that's working in us that's come as a result of the work of Christ. It's resurrection power. It's ascension power. But it is absolute power. Yes, it's going to set you above. It's going to take you out. It's going to raise you up. But until it does, I want you to know it's far above all principality and power and might and dominion. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. How 
are we going to overcome that? It's the power of Almighty God. And it's far above. Far above. Far above all. And then he says, I put all things under my feet. Do you realize that's the only way we can advance as a church? That's the only way we can overcome the enemy. That's the only way that you and I can have revival. That's the only way that we can witness effectively is to have this power in activity among us. This power manifested among us. He doesn't want to lie dormant somewhere. He's active. He is working. It was wrought. It was worked in Christ. When he raised him, he was working from the dead and set him it was a work of the spirit and I want you to know that Holy Ghost is still working I said it is still at work that third member of the triune Godhead and I want you to know tonight we don't have to expect anything less than what they experienced in that day we don't need a man breathing on us we don't need silly stuff like that we just need the Savior uh, to make his presence known uh, among us uh, and speak to our spirit, uh, speak to our hearts, uh, move in this sanctuary uh, and say, Bethel, uh, receive ye uh, the Holy Ghost. Uh, I want to do a work uh, in your life. Uh, do you realize uh, the breath of God, uh, the power of the Holy Ghost, uh, the infilling uh, of his spirit, uh, it changed everything for that church here they are he comes to them they're hiding they're scared to death for fear of the Jews but when they get filled in the upper room the first thing they want to do is go to the people they were hiding from I want to tell you real revival real Pentecost cannot be hid it's like I believe in Mark chapter 3 when Christ was in that house it said he could not be hid. And when you get revival, when you get the power of Almighty God, you can't hide it. You can't keep it within the four walls of a church. It's bigger than that. Amen. They said, it's wind. It's fire. It's a touch of God like we've never experienced before. Oh, how he breathed on us. But then suddenly, there's this rushing, mighty wind. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's the very breath of almighty God. The very breath of God breathing on them. You've got to understand what this meant to this group of people. You take a Jew coming to Christ at night, Nicodemus, and he's trying to explain to him the work of the Spirit. He uses the analogy of the wind. They, they, these, these people that were gathered in this upper room often felt like wind was the presence of God. They, they symbolized that as the very presence of Almighty God. And it went all the way back to creation. God breathing and giving life. And so suddenly they're worshiping and praising God for 10 days. And suddenly there comes this sound from heaven. 
as of a rushing mighty wind. And it fills all the house where they are sitting. They said, oh, we knew the comforter would come. This must be him. This must be him. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house. All the house. If he did go to them individually, I don't know. And breathe on them and say, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Right now, in this upper room, he comes and fills all the house. Everywhere they were, they were aware of his presence. It didn't matter. In that little upper room, didn't matter what side of the building they was on. Didn't matter if it was a platform. Didn't matter front or back. They felt his presence. And they said, this is it. There came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That is the plan of God. He not only filled all the house, but he filled all the believers. And that's what he wants to do tonight. He wants to work in all of our lives. And I want you to notice as I come to a close, what really happens in this great time of transformation. They begin to experience what it is to minister in the lifestyle of the Spirit. They had walked with Christ for three and a half years. He had told them, he's been with you, but he shall be in you. They had never had him in them. They had been around him because they had been with Christ. He's been with you because I've been with you. But everything was about to change. Everything was about to change. They go out of that upper room in Acts 2 and 33, Peter begins to preach, begins to explain to them that he, being on the right hand of God exalted, hath shed for this, which ye now see and hear. Hear me well, folks. What happened that day was anything but ordinary. It was extraordinary. It was super ordinary. Literally everything that was taking place was a result of the life of Christ that was now at work in his body. The church and timid, fearful people surrendered to the will of God, endued with power from on high, witnesses in languages they had never learned, begin to reach a lost and a dying world, and Cretes and Arabians. And about 15 others uh, represented uh, over 15 languages uh, are saying, uh, we do hear them speak uh, the wonderful works of God uh, in our own language. Uh, some were in doubt. Uh, some were amazed. Uh, some mocked. Uh, others said, what meaneth this? Uh, I tell you what Peter did. Uh, he went back to Joel, uh, a prophet uh, that they believed in uh, and said, this is that that was prophesied by Joel in the last day. I want to tell you, folks, Christ means for this life to be ours. He wants this life to be ours tonight. I want you to stand with me. He wants it to be ours.
this life, this touch of God, this power of the Holy Ghost. He wants it to be ours. He's desiring for us to surrender to the Holy Ghost. And I don't want us to leave here thinking that God has abandoned his people in this last day. This life will never be foreign to us. I need the power of the Holy Ghost. And they experienced it in such a tremendous way until people would say, they've turned the world upside down and they've come now to us. Here they come to us. And they're turning this world upside down. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. But one must be emptied before they can be filled. You know what that 10 days did? It helped them empty themselves of self. And caused them to realize without him we really can do nothing. Without him. I've told the Lord, you don't have to prove it to me. I know I can't do it without you. You don't have to show me. I know I can't. I know I can't. I've got to have you. God, I can't do this. I can't preach this. I can't sing this. I can't teach this. I've got to have you. I've got to have the Holy Ghost. I've got to have the power of Almighty God. And I can assure you that he longs to communicate that life to you. You know, there's so much going on in our day and it's, it's really not even worth mentioning, but I do want to just briefly touch on it. You know, about all these people feeling like they can impart something to you and they can impart some kind of spirit. And God does use people, but I don't want us to ever forget that Jesus is the baptizer. Oh, they received the Holy Ghost when they laid hands on them. No doubt about it. They were healed. They would pray for them, call for the elders of the church. But it's just him working through us. We are just channels. There is no power inherent within me. It is all of him. I've got to have that life. Have I had the privilege? And I say that because I want to give him honor. Have I had the privilege of laying hands on folks and see them receive the Holy Ghost? Yes. I was just a channel. Have I been there praying with folks when the sick were healed? Notable miracles? Yes. But we were just a channel as a church. And that's what I want to be. I want to be a channel that his life can flow through. And people can realize there's hope for me. There is life. The analogy that he gave in John chapter 7 was like rivers of living water. It takes us back to Ezekiel 47, which is a literal prophecy we know concerning the children of Israel. But the spiritual connotation is anywhere that river flows, there's life. There's life. Wouldn't you like to be a part of a church that has such a flow of life until when they walk in, they feel like every step they take, they're being reinvigorated. 
They're being revived. They're being restored. They can walk in this church and say, finally, I can live again. Finally, I can hope again. Finally, my marriage can be healed. My home can be healed. Why? Because the power of the Holy Ghost is at work. There's life. There's life. He has breathed on us once again. Would you give him praise and glory?